That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Bunny? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, this is our 27th uh, round of history that we've done, and it is the first time we are doing it from school. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, no, normally, like, you know, when we've done it at school, it has been, you know, usually during the season or... I guess technically we did, you know, radio last year, but but we didn't. It wasn't a thing. Yeah, that's not available on a, have a podcast or anything. But yeah, twenty-seven history episodes. Finally doing it at Springfield College, where uh, this whole thing originated. That's right. Um, where the show originated, and then uh, you know, history soon followed. But uh, yeah, we're talking about the greatest third baseman of all time mike schmidt uh who yeah i mean like you know when i when i started uh doing this uh list i recognized that for some reason like i knew uh i knew a decent amount about like the 50 like 50s and 60s baseball uh i knew about you know like the 90s and up to today but for some reason i kind of like blanked out on like the 70s and 80s part of baseball and mike schmidt is probably the face of that era Without uh, at, least, at least in terms of position players you know there were a ton of pitchers that dominated that era but in terms of position players mike schmidt is the face of like the 70s 70s slash 80s you know i wouldn't pin it to one decade of course um because you know the player of the player of the 70s was probably joe morgan and the player of the 80s was probably uh ricky henderson but if you combine those two decades that's that's where you get mike schmidt so we'll get into mike schmidt and unfortunately you know to uh kind of go behind the scenes usually you know when i do the the player research you know they all have an, a nice society for american baseball research page but when I looked it up for Mike Schmidt and, you know, I had, I didn't know that society uh, for American baseball research was going to be such a, such a uh, big source when I started the list. So I didn't really check on that. Uh, Mike Schmidt uh, does not have a complete or anything attached to a society for American what? society for American baseball research page. How is that possible? Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a it says it's assigned to I believe a man named Henry Kern, but the guy's been retired for thirty two or I guess to be fair thirty one years, and uh, we still uh, do not have a full Society for American Baseball Research. Literally, page. Flame Delhi, who played one game, has like a full list of things on his Society for American Baseball Research page. He played one game two days after the Titanic sunk in nineteen twelve, but Mike Schmidt doesn't have one. Yeah, no, so. Uh, you know, usually I, I, I'm able to, we're able to get into the off the field story, but there's really not that much out there on the guy, oh. you know, looked up, try to get a sort of documentary on him. There's really not anything there. Wikipedia can only give you so much. 
especially since Wikipedia also relies a lot on, you know, Society for American Baseball Research. Yeah. But uh, we did not get that. So a, get ready for a very short uh, growing up section of the of the uh, history player we're talking about. Um, it's going to be a lot of numbers, not a lot of storylines, particularly. Um, so be ready. Be ready for that. It was pretty, pretty bad. I cannot believe he doesn't have a Society of American Baseball Research page. I mean, technically he does, but there's nothing under it. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad. Um, maybe maybe we should contact, contact them about it, but it should be done as soon as possible. But what we do know is Mike Schmidt is born, uh, was born in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, obviously there's not very much on him uh, growing up just a guy from Ohio. Uh, his parents managed an aquatic club and Mike was a lifeguard there. Um, so that's what he did probably for money uh, late, late in his uh, growing up stage. And he of course played a little league in high school baseball and in college. So he attended and played at Ohio university and he was named first team all conference in the 1969, 1970, and 1971 seasons. And he was named an All American in 1970 and 1971. He also uh, slugged 640 throughout his college career, obviously uh, being able to be a big power threat uh, in Division I college. And in 1970, he helped lead Ohio University to the College World Series. And eventually, after his college career came to a close, he was drafted in the second round with the 30th overall pick in the 1971 MLB draft. So Mike Schmidt is now a professional baseball player. And in 1971, with the Phillies, in double-A, he hit 211 with a 652 OPS in 74 games. So not, not particularly lighting the world on fire, but that would change in 1972 when he hit 291 with a 960 OPS in 131 games. And that year, he was called up to the Phillies in September of 1972. So now we get into the beginning stages of the major league career of Mike Schmidt. Very brief stint with the Phillies in 72. He hit 206 with a 619 OPS in 40 plate appearances in his first year. So... You know, he has some growing pains, which is fine. A lot of people do. And it sort of continued into 1973. He hit 196 with a 697 OPS, a 92 OPS plus, and a 95 weighted runs created plus. He also had the highest strikeout percentage of anyone with 400 plus plate appearances. That was a 30.7% strikeout rate. And unfortunately, he ended his season on a 1 for 29 slump with 19 strikeouts. So Mike Schmidt... Uh, kind of got off to a slow start, but there was much more in store. So now we finally get to where Mike Schmidt becomes Mike Schmidt. And uh, these next two years of Mike Schmidt's career is where, you know, he's getting something started and the Phillies, you know, the late 70s, early 80s Phillies, as we know it, is, started, is starting to get something started as well. Uh, so in 1974... Mike Schmidt immediately improved uh, pretty drastically. His strikeout percentage went from 
30.4% to 20.1%, about a 10% dip there, which is very significant in terms of strikeout percentage. And he hit 282 with a 941 OPS, 158 OPS plus, and 157 weighted runs created plus. Also, when runners were in scoring, scoring position, he did very well there. He hit 325 with men in scoring position, and he ended up finishing second in OPS, third in weighted runs created plus, and third, third, uh, second in OPS, third in OPS plus, and third in weighted runs created plus. Uh, he also led the league in home runs with 36 and slugging with a 546. So in his second full year, leading the league in homers. And he also was able to do it on the other side of the diamond, finished fourth in defensive war and fourth in defensive runs above average among all fielders. And he was also able to do it from a base running standpoint, stealing 23 bases. And he Schmidt with this spectacular season, both your offensively with the bat on the bases and in the field led the league in both B war and F war. And he finished sixth in the MVP vote. And his 1974 season has the most B war in a single season by a third baseman before their age 25 season. And his 1974 is also the only season by a player before their age 25 season with 7.7 plus offensive war and 2.4 plus D war. How about that? And it is the only season by a player before their age 25 season with 100 plus walks, 35 plus home runs, and 20 plus stolen bases. How about that? And lastly, Schmidt's 1974 is the only season in baseball history with 35 plus home runs, 105 plus walks, and 2.3 plus defensive war. How about that? And the Phillies uh, went 80 and 82, which doesn't sound very exciting, but it was an improvement. This was their best record in seven years uh, since 1967. So for the first time in quite a while, the Phillies had expectations going into the 1975 season. And Mike Schmidt uh, wasn't living up to them early. In 1974, in, in 1975, his previous season had been looking like a fluke. Through July 8th, he was hitting 212 with a 732 OPS. And after this point, from July 8th on, he hit 291 with a 1064 OPS. In the second half, he led the National League in home runs, weighted runs created plus, and F war. He also had the, the fourth most stolen bases. So he was doing it all offensively. And overall in the season, he ended up with a 249 average, an 890 OPS, 142 OPS plus, 142 weighted runs created plus, and 29 stolen bases. He finished fifth in OPS, seventh in OPS plus, seventh in weighted runs created plus, and ninth in stolen bases. He led the league in home runs also with 38. He finished fourth in D war and fourth in defensive runs above average. He finished second in B-War and second in F-War. This got him 16th in the MVP vote. And this is the only season by a player in their age 25 season or younger with 35-plus home runs, 26-plus stolen bases, and 2-plus D-War. The Phillies went on to go 86 and 76. 
very good record, but not quite good enough as they miss the playoffs once again. And, you know, now we get into a four-year stage of uh, Mike Schmidt's career where uh, he's doing very well, but he's not really bringing home, uh, you know, the ultimate individual prize uh, in a season. And the Phillies are doing very well, but they're not getting the ultimate prize either. Uh, this is, you know, where neither of them are quite there yet. But in 1976, on April 17th, uh, the Phillies, unfortunately, were down in a hole, down 13-2 to the Chicago Cubs. Where's this? There it is. 1-1 pitch to Schmidt. Swing, a long drive. That is going to be well out of here. Towering home run. Here's the 3-1 pitch to him. Swing, a line drive, deep left field. Summers back. It is gone, a home run. Here's the pitch to Schmidt. Long drive up in the wind in right field. Forget about this one. It's out of here. Here's the pitch to Schmidt. Drill toward left field. It's in the alley, and it is gone. That's a home run for Schmidt. He has hit four straight. He drilled it. It was not his hardest hit of the day, but he's got his fourth consecutive home run. And the Bills have taken the lead 17-15. So there it is, a four-home run game for Mike Schmidt. And the Phillies, after being down 13-2, ended up winning 18-16. And, you know, that was on the back of four home runs, eight RBI from uh, Mike Schmidt. And this game remains the only game in the history of game logs with four plus home runs, eight plus RBI and 0.4 plus win probability added. How about that? And Schmidt did not stop there. He hit, he hit home runs in each of his next three games. Didn't hit a home run in the fourth game hit a home run in the fifth, no home run in the sixth game, then two home runs in the seventh game after that four home run game. So this was uh, a, a span of eight games in which Mike Schmidt hit 10 home runs uh, in April of 1976. Wild. And at the time, his 11 home runs in the month of April were tied for the April record. And through June 29th, uh, Schmidt was hitting 292 with a 1021 OPS, and the Phillies were 50 and 20 with a nine and a half game lead in the NL East. And Schmidt ended up with a 262 average, 900 OPS, 151 OPS plus, and 151 weighted runs created plus. And he ended up finishing third in OPS, second in OPS plus, second in weighted runs created plus, ninth in D War, and eighth. In defensive runs above average and Schmidt once again led the league in home runs with 38 and he finished second in B war and second in F war of course to the great Joe Morgan and he finished third in the MVP vote and that is where this 1976 was where Mike Schmidt won his first gold glove as well so you know not bringing home the MVP but did bring back some hardware and the Phillies finally went 101 and 61 and won 
the National League East. And we head on to the postseason where uh, the Phillies are running into the big red machine. So in the first two games of the NLCS versus the Reds, the uh, Schmidt went one for eight with a sacrifice fly. And in game three, Schmidt went three for five with an RBI double, uh, but the Phillies lost seven to six and would end up getting swept in uh, in that series. So now we move on to 1977. So going into this season, the Phillies had a title to defend, and it was the division title. Mike Schmidt hit 274 this season with a 967 OPS, 151 OPS plus, and 155 weighted runs created plus. He finished fourth in OPS, fourth in OPS plus, fourth in weighted runs created plus, fourth in DUR, and fourth, once again, in defensive runs above average. He was fourth in just about everything. But he did lead the league. In both B-War and F-War, he led wins above replacement on both websites. This gave him 10th in the MVP vote. He also won his second gold glove. This was his fourth season with 35-plus home runs, 100-plus walks, and 12-plus stolen bases. No one else has more than two of such seasons through their age 27 season, and there was only one other player with multiple such seasons through age 27. Who's that other player? Um, I'm for, I've, it might've been a rod. That sounds about right. I can't remember off the top of my head. That sounds about right. It is the only season since 1931 with 35 plus home runs, hundred plus walks, 10 plus triples and 15 stolen bases. His 1974 and 1977 seasons are the only in baseball history with 35-plus home runs, 101-plus walks, and 2.3-plus V-War. His 1977 is the only season in baseball history with 35-plus home runs, 100-plus walks, and 2.5-plus D-War. And the Phillies replicated their same record from the previous year, going 101-61. and And in the postseason... In game one, with the game tied in the top of the ninth against the Dodgers, he hit a go-ahead RBI single, helping the Phillies win 7-5 to in the first game. But, however, the three games after that were a much different story. Schmidt went 0-11 for with two walks, and the Phillies lost each game, once again falling short in the playoffs. So now on to 1978, which is probably a season that maybe uh, – Schmidt would have liked to forget, even though it was still a very good season uh, by most players' standards. Uh, Schmidt uh, did not hit more than five home runs in a month. You know, this was a guy who was uh, leading in home runs consistently. Ever since he was uh, 24 years old, he was leading the league in home runs, but did not get more than five in a month. He also ended up with 21 home runs in 145 games after four consecutive seasons with 36-plus home runs. So, you know, four straight with 36-plus, only getting 21 in 1978. And in 1979, uh, you know, in a reflective interview, he said, last season, I just about accepted the idea I was a dead streak hitter and would never change. All I could do was the same old thing bear down on defense and draw some walks when I was cold. So I wouldn't be uh, useless. So he kind of just, you know, kind of the, uh, it kind of represents the determination of a great athlete like Schmidt trying to do what he could. 
he wasn't able to hit home runs that year. Still trying to get on base, still trying to uh, provide some gold glove defense. And he ended up hitting 251 with a 798 OPS, 122 OPS plus, and 121 weighted runs created plus. And he finished seventh in defensive war and seventh in defensive runs above average. And he ended up finishing second in B war and sixth in F war. Uh, and Schmidt, as he talked about previously, uh, was good on was very good on defense. Still, was able to get him in the top ten in wins above replacement, and it was able to get him his third consecutive Gold Glove. And the Phillies ended up going ninety and seventy two, and winning the National League East. And in the postseason, Schmidt went three for fifteen with two walks and an RBI while the Phillies lost the series in four games to the Dodgers. So very uneventful once again for Schmidt and the Phillies in the playoffs. So now we move on to 1979, the last year of the decade. And Mike Schmidt had an anomaly of a game on May 17th. He went two for four with two home runs, four walks, three runs scored, and four RBI in a 23-22 to 10-inning victory over the Cubs. How? Because apparently it only happens with, against the Cubs. And this yep. is the only game in the history of game logs that goes back to 1901 with two-plus home runs, three-plus runs scored, four-plus RBI, and four-plus walks. And on the year, Mike Schmidt ended up hitting 253 with a 950 OPS, a 154 OPS plus, and a 152 weighted runs created plus. He also finished third in OPS, third in OPS plus, and fourth in weighted runs created plus. He also led the league in walks with 120. He finished second in B-War and second in F-War. This gave him 13th in the MVP vote, and it also gave him his fourth Gold Glove Award. And this remains the only season in baseball history with 45-plus home runs, 120-plus walks, and 1-plus D-War. Unfortunately, the Phillies regressed as a team as they finished 84-78, and 78, giving them the fourth-best record in their own division. But now we are on to a different era of Mike Schmidt's career where finally he's bringing home the hardware, both uh, for himself and the team and the name on the front, you know, on the name of both the front of the jersey and the back of the jersey. Uh, so in 1980, entering September 20th, the Phillies were one and a half games behind in the National League East. And from September 20th on, Schmidt hit nine home runs in 15 games, hitting 333 with a 1246 OPS. That's that's called rising to the occasion. With three games left to play, the Phillies and Expos were tied for first place in the National League East, and they were playing each other in a three-game series. So no excuses, you know, no one, no way to back into the postseason. You got to win in order to win that NL East. And in the first game of the series, Schmidt drove in each of the Phillies' two runs in a two-to-one victory. And in the second game of the series, the game went into extras, and Schmidt came up in the top of the eleventh with a man on first, looking to seal that division. Long drive to left field. He buried it. He buried it way back. 
So as the announcer says, he buries it. He makes it a six to four ball game for the Phillies in a game where if they win, they clinch that game. And the Phillies ended up winning that game by that score of six to four and winning the division. And Schmidt ended up hitting 286 with a 1004 OPS, 171 OPS plus and 172 weighted runs created plus. Schmidt also finished eighth in defensive war. He also led the league in total bases. He led the league in home runs with 48, 48, a career high for him. RBI with 121, which is also a career high for him. Slugging with a 624 OPS, OPS plus and weighted runs created plus. He all led the league in those. And as a result with that defense as well, led the league in both baseball reference war and fan war and Schmidt won the MVP unanimously and won the gold glove and the silver slugger in uh, the silver slugger was in its inaugural season. So of course, Mike Schmidt is going to be the first one to win that at third base in the national league. And his 1980 is the only season in baseball history with 48 plus home runs, 80 plus walks and 1.5 plus D war. So now we get into that postseason where uh, Schmidt obviously led the Phillies to. So in the NLCS, unfortunately, uh, Schmidt had some playoff, repeated uh, playoff woes again. He hit 208 with a 490 OPS with one RBI in five games. And he went one for six with runners in scoring position. But the Phillies were able to beat the Astros in those five games and move on to the World Series finally. So now Schmidt has a second chance to uh, improve his postseason legacy. In game one of the World Series, Schmidt went one for two with two walks in a seven to six win over the Royals. And then in game two, when he was one for three already, Schmidt came up to the plate in the eighth inning with the tying run on first base. So Schmidt with the RBI double to tie that game up. And uh, the Phillies ended up winning that game by the score of six to four, putting them ahead in the series, two games to none. And in game three, in a two to one game in the fifth inning, Schmidt was looking uh, to tie another game, this time being game three. Pitch softly well for these Royals. Drill deep. The left field. It is high in the air toward the bullpen. Willie Wilson. It is tied up at two. Mike Schmidt. 
Hits a home run very high into the bullpen for the Phillies in left field. Seems like these Phillies really can't get going until they get behind. George Brett home run in the first inning gave the Royals a lead. Phillies came back, top of the second. So Mike Schmidt ties it up. Another clutch moment for uh, Mr. Schmidt. Uh, unfortunately, though, that was really only that was Schmidt's only highlight of the game, and he had some big opportunities in that game. Uh, Schmidt was 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position in that game, and the Phillies ended up losing 4 to 3. And in Game 4, uh, Schmidt went 1 for 3 with a sacrifice fly, therefore an RBI. Uh, but that was in a 5 to 3 loss that tied the series up uh, in that 1980 World Series. And in Game 5. Uh, in the fourth inning, with a man on, Schmidt was looking to break a scoreless tie. Well hit. Center field. Otis is going back near the warning track. It is a home run. 2 nothing Phillies. There are some Philly fans here, but right now, a little quiet here at Royal Stadium as Mike Schmidt hits his second home run of this series, and the Phillies lead two to nothing. So Schmidt puts the Phillies on the board and gives them some life, uh, trying to give some momentum back to the Phils. And the Phillies ended up winning that game four to three, with Schmidt going two for four with two RBI and two runs scored so he did score after that uh after that home run then in game six with the series back going back to philly in the third inning schmidt came up in a scoreless tie with the bases with the bases loaded base hit right field here comes one run in smith is going to score heading for third is rose Smith stumbles, and now he finally comes across. He was late coming around. He fell again, and it's a two-to-nothing ball game. Fastball out over the plate. A little bit. So Schmidt once again coming up clutch for the Phillies. And Schmidt ended up going one for three with a walk in that game with those two RBI in a four to one win, making Mike Schmidt and the making Mike Schmidt a World Series champion. And throughout that series, he hit 381 with an 1176 OPS and seven RBI in those six games. And with all those highlights, with those great stats, Mike Schmidt won. 1980 World Series MVP. Mike Schmidt so, absolutely ruled 1980. Like a World Series championship, a World Series MVP, a regular season MVP, a gold glove, a silver slugger, an all-star. And a, I'm pretty sure he had a kid that year too. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, because uh, there, because um, that comparison was made to Mookie Betts in 2018 we were like, was Mookie Betts the first person to have to win a like MVP, World Series, Silver Slugger, All Star, or yeah, All Star? 
gold glove and have a kid in the same year. No, actually, Mike Schmidt did it all in 1980, and he won World Series MVP too. Yeah, he he absolutely killed that year. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that has to have been the best year of his life. Yeah, I mean you you would have to th- you would have to think so. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I I'm trying to think of if there's a list of regular season MVPs who won World Series MVPs. I can't. I don't think so. Like, there's no way. I, I, I'm trying to think, you know, probably, you know, before, definitely before our time, there was probably someone who was able to do it, but. Well, when did they, when did they start giving out World Series MVP? Like that wasn't always a thing, was it? Uh, yeah, no, it it wasn't in like the twenties and thirties. Cause like Lou Gehrig would have won like seven. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they probably didn't start that until maybe the fifties or sixties. That That makes sense once they could like commercialize it, but Mike Schmidt, 1980 regular season MVP, 1980 world series MVP. That's the best way to go about a year. Um, and now, you know, he's kind of ramping it up in 1981. So, you know, we've gone over the season plenty of times. There, it was a strike. There was a strike in the middle of the season. And before that strike, Mike Schmidt, uh, hit 284 with a 963 OPS and a 165 weighted runs created plus. Very, very good. And the Phillies went 31 and 21 in this half and it ended up first in the NL East, securing a spot in the playoffs, of course, because the first half and the second half winners of the division made it to the playoffs. And the MLB returned its 1981 season. Uh, with the all-star game because that strike kind of went on during the summer. So they figured let's bring this, uh, let's bring this season back with the all-star game, get some eyes back on it. And that was where Mike Schmidt was looking to uh, gain some momentum to have a very good second half. Straight away center field. Winfield is going back, back, way back. He'll not get this one. So Mike Schmidt not only gets a home run uh, in in an all-star game, gives his team the lead as well. They were down 4-3. Now they were up 5-4. And then, and, you know, that home run probably did give him some some momentum because he had a crazy second half. Even though his team was already in the playoffs, he was still mashing. In that second half, he hit 356 with a 12-14 OPS a 234 weighted runs created plus 17 home runs and 50 RBI in 50 games. And he ended up finishing ninth on the total season in average with a 316. And he also did well with runners in scoring position, hitting 331 with runners in scoring position. And he ended up also finishing seventh in defensive war along with those offensive accolades. And, Schmidt led the league in total bases, runs scored with 78, walks with 73, home runs with 31, RBI with 91. 
on base percentage with a 435, slugging with a 644, OPS with a 1080, OPS plus with a 198, and weighted runs created plus with also a 198. And no one in Major League Baseball was within 140 points of Schmidt's OPS. Unreal in 1981. And Schmidt ended up leading, leading the league, obviously, in B-War and F-War. And he won his second consecutive MVP, his second consecutive Silver Slugger, and his sixth consecutive Gold Glove. And his 1980 is the only season in the live ball era with 1.28 plus D-War. And an you OPS mean his 1981? His, uh, yeah, his 1981 is the only season in the live ball era with a 1.28 plus D war and an OPS plus of 195 or better. How about that? So now after the Phillies had a good first half, they get to be in the postseason. So we'll get into that postseason. That was uh, where in the each of the first two games of the NLDS, uh, Schmidt went 0 for 3 to the walk in each of those two, first two games. And the Phillies lost each of those games by the score of 3-1. to one. So pretty identical for Schmidt and the Phillies. Then in Game 3, uh, Schmidt went 2-3 for three with a walk in a 6-2 win over the Expos. And in Game 4, uh, Schmidt broke a scoreless tie in the first inning with a two-run home run. And he ended up going 1-3 for three with a walk in that game in a 6-5 win. And then in game in a def, decisive game five, Schmidt went one for four in a three to nothing loss to the Expos. And uh, throughout the series, Schmidt had a pretty good series, 250 average with a 900 OPS. So now the you know ex, extreme hardware era of Mike Schmidt's career is over. But now we get into you know Schmidt is into his 30s but he's continuing dominance he's being extremely extremely consistent and just you know still dominating the league uh heading into his late 30s so in 1982 mike schmidt hit 280 with a 949 ops that makes for a 161 ops plus and 161 weighted runs created plus he led the league in walks with 107 as well as ops ops plus and weighted runs created plus he got third in B-War and third in F-War, so he was third on both websites. He ended up finishing sixth in the MVP vote and won both Gold Glove and Silver Slugger. However, the Phillies went 89-73, a good record, but not good enough. They finished second in the National League East. And in 1983, Schmidt hit 255 with a 923 OPS, 156 OPS plus, and 152 weighted runs created plus, and he finished second in OPS, while he led the league in walks with a career-high 128 home runs with 40 on-base percentage with a 399, and he also led the league in 1983 in OPS plus and weighted runs created plus. And he also finished fourth in B-War and third in F-War. And he finished third in the MVP vote, and he won the gold glove and also won the silver slugger once again and it is one of two seasons in baseball history with 40 plus home runs 125 plus walks and 0.8 plus d war 
uh, that other season is uh, Babe Ruth 1923. I guess I guess in his younger days he was uh, he was very he was good enough defensively, uh, I guess. And now we go on to uh, and the Phillies also went 90 and 72 and won the National League East back in the playoffs. So in the postseason, in his in Schmidt's first plate appearance of the NLCS against the Dodgers, Schmidt was looking to once again break a scoreless tie. The year, the last 10 years. And it's a high fly ball into deep center. Back goes Landro on the track at the wall. Times the leap and can't get it. Home run for Mike Schmidt. That's the 10th home run. He's hit against Jerry Royce. And the Phillies have a one to nothing lead. Make no bones about it. He is the franchise, the big man. And you can try to pitch around him and don't let him beat you. But he'll widen the strike zone and do exactly what he did. And there was nothing cheap about that one. Center field. So Schmidt, once again, showing some uh, showing some very good playoff performance, unlike earlier in his career. And that ended up being the only run of the game. So it was very, very important. And Mike Schmidt on the day ended up going two for three with a walk, you know, along with that home run. And in game two, Schmidt went one for four in a four to one loss. Then in game three, he went one for three with a walk in a 7-2 win, and in Game 4, he went 3-for-5 with an RBI double in a 7-2 win, which advanced the Phillies to the World Series once again. And in this series, Schmidt hit 467 with a 13-29 OPS throughout the series. Uh, definitely played a big role in that one. And unfortunately, this momentum kind of stopped for Schmidt and the rest of the Phillies lineup as in the 1983 world series, the Orioles pitching absolutely dominated and the Phillies offense only hit 195 with a 536 OPS and Schmidt was even worse. He went one for 20 with no walks or extra base hits. So that is um, a 100 OPS, a nice, a nice 100 OPS for you. And uh, the Orioles won, won that series in five games and now we go head on to uh, 1984. So now in 1984, Mike Schmidt just about stays par for the course. He hits 277 with a 919 OPS, a 155 OPS plus, and a 154 weighted runs created plus. This gives him 10th in D-War. He also leads the league in home runs with 36, RBI with 106, OPS, OPS plus, and weighted runs created plus. He also got third in B-War and second in F-War. He got seventh in the MVP vote, won the gold glove, and the silver slugger. This remains the only season by a player in their age 34 season or older with 35 plus home runs, 90 plus walks, and a one plus D war. As for the total product, the Phillies were exactly 500. They finished 81 and 81, fourth in the National League East. And in 1985, it was kind of the tale of two seasons for. Mike Schmidt in his first 53 games, he had 211 with a 665 OPS, maybe sh showing signs of age as the media might put it. But in his next and final 105 games, he hit 309 with a 1024 OPS, uh, 
really writing that ship and self-correcting. And Schmidt also, you know, faced some faced a different challenge during the season. He played 106 games at first base as a the season prior. Uh, Pete Rose, their usual first baseman in the 80s, thus uh, at up to that point, uh, had you know left the team, and now there was a hole at first base. Schmidt was playing first base, and Schmidt ended up hitting 277 with a 907 OPS. Uh, in that 1985 season with 149 OPS plus and 149 weighted runs created plus. And he finished fourth in OPS, sixth in OPS plus, and fifth in weighted runs created plus, and finished ninth in F4. And the Phillies went 75 and 87 and finished fifth in the National League East. And now we're on to 1986. So now this year, Mike Schmidt does it again. He hits 290 with a 937 OPS, 153 OPS plus, and 148 weighted runs created plus. Uh, this ended up, he ended up finishing second in weighted runs created plus, and he led the league in home runs with 37, RBI with 119, slugging with a 547 OPS and OPS plus. He finished second in B-War and third in F-War. He got his third MVP in 1986. He got his 10th gold glove and his sixth silver slugger. Did he, did he have every silver slugger since it existed except for one year by this point? Um, yeah. Right. yeah. Because it I'm became a thing in 80. So that would be seven seasons. He has six. Or uh, I'm trying to think. Or wait. 80, yeah. 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. Seven seasons. That's his sixth silver slugger. He, had, he missed it in one season. I might have... Uh done the math wrong because i don't know if there was a year where he didn't have the silver slugger uh yeah that that's yeah my bad that's actually his seventh silver well, slugger <laughs> i guess he has every silver slugger or no oh wait since it existed or no yeah it is his sixth silver slugger because he played oh. first base in 85 so never mind <laughs> well then it is the only season by a player in their age 36 season or older with 35-plus home runs, 85-plus walks, and a D-war above negative 0.1. That's, that's quite the standard you're setting there for D-war. Well, you know, replacement, replacement level is still a challenge. Yeah, especially when you're 36. The Phillies went 86 and 75. They finished second in the National League East. And into 1987, uh, this would be a special season uh you know not because of not because of you know potentially maybe repeating an mvp but because he was approaching uh that big milestone and on april 18th schmidt came up in the ninth with the phillies trailing six to five with two men on and two men out looking to put the team ahead match by robinson the 3-0 pitch. Swing and long drive! There it is! Number 500! The career 500th home run for Michael Jack Smith! And the Phillies have regained the lead in Pittsburgh, 8-6! And the Phillies dugout comes swarming out to home plate! Boy, what a time, and what a time to pick for number 500. The whole dugout's out there. You don't 
see Smith get very emotional going around the bases on a home run. He jumped on second with both feet. He banged his fist high around third base. The whole bullpen now is coming out. And the great Michael Jack Schmidt hits number 500 in a very clutch spot as well. Uh, joins joins an exclusive club, and on that season, he was still elite. You know, a lot of the times when we're talking about a guy who hit his 500th home run, you know, usually he's on the on the downhill of his career, but definitely not Mike Schmidt. In this season, he hit 293 with a 936 OPS, 142 OPS plus, and 139 weighted runs created plus, and he finished ninth in OPS, ninth in OPS plus, and ninth in weighted runs created plus. And he also finished 14th in the MVP vote. And it is the only, his 1987 is the only season by a player in their age 37 season or older with 110 plus RBI and 1.1 plus D war. It is also the only season by a player in their age 37 season or older with 35 plus home runs and one plus D war. And his 1987 is also the only season by a player in their age 37 or season or older with a 935 plus OPS and one plus D war. And the Phillies ended up going 80 and 82 and finishing fourth in the National League East. And this caps off, you know, usually, <clears throat> usually with, you know, the, the history players, we, talk about you know a, a five-year un, un, unbelievable five-year stretch unbelievable uh four-year stretch but with mike schmidt he kind of just put his gas put his foot on the gas in 1974 and didn't let off for about 14 years you know he he may have not may not have put up you know like a 10-win season at any point but he was extremely consistent and you know got the job done for 14 consecutive years where he was just amazing and from 1974 to 1987 he had only one season with less than 30 home runs and only one season with an OPS plus of 140 uh only one season with an OPS plus of 140 or worse uh he also had five plus uh baseball reference war and five plus f war in every single season of this 14-year stretch. You know, Baseball Reference defines a five-win season as all-star level. So according to Baseball Reference, he was all-star level in all 14 of these seasons. And he had six-plus Baseball Reference war in all but one of these 14 seasons. Schmidt also averaged a 274, 387, 546, 933 slash line. Uh, 153 OPS plus, 153 weighted runs created plus, and also 36 home runs, 104 RBI, 7.4 B WAR, and 7.4 F WAR per year from 1974 to 1987. And in this span, Schmidt led the league in plate appearances, runs scored, RBI, walks, and home runs. And no other position player. And this is the most ridiculous thing. No other position player 
between 1974 and 1987 was within 25 B war or F war during uh, was within 25 B war or F war of Mike Schmidt during this 14 year span. So we mentioned like an all an all star type season is five wins above replacement. It would take five of those seasons, or it would probably or actually six of those seasons to surpass Mike Schmidt. If he if you had five all star qual all-star level seasons and Schmidt didn't produce any wins above replacement, uh, they would still not be able to touch Schmidt. That's how good he was from 74 uh, to 87. But this is where, you know, the, the history episode starts to take a little dive in emotion as, you know, obviously everyone, everyone has to go th through their breakdown phase. Uh, you know, Mike Schmidt's from 1988 to 1989 you know his body starts to break down and you know he uh he's starting to uh show sort of his age so in 1988 mike schmidt had injuries to his rotator cuff and knees and he didn't play a game past august 12th of that season and he ended up hitting 249 with a 742 ops 112 ops plus and a 109 weighted runs created plus still Decently above average, but just not what it used to be. And he had just 12 home runs in 108 games. And in 1989, he came back fully healthy. And he had a home run in each of his first two games. And it seemed like he was doing pretty well. From May 2nd, uh, through May 2nd, he was hitting 275 with an 893 OPS. But then things took a turn. From May 3rd to May 28th, he went 5 for 57 with no extra base hits. And he decided that was it. On May 29th, he announced his retirement from the game of baseball. And now Mike Schmidt is away from playing the game of baseball, had a great career. Now we're in his post-career. Uh, Schmidt, in 1990, he was a color analyst on the Phillies broadcasting team, but that was only for one season. And in 1995, he received the game's greatest individual honor. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame with 96.5% of the vote. And since 2002, Schmidt has been the hitting coach for the Phillies at each spring training uh, for the Phillies. And in 2004, he managed the Phillies uh, single-A affiliate. Also in 2014, Schmidt started commentating for the Phillies on Sunday home games and then started also doing Saturday home games in 2015. And he did that weekend home game stretch of Phillies broadcasting through 2019. And I'm guessing uh, it stopped when, you know, 2020 happened. But uh, he may be coming back, I would assume, once the world is back in place, whenever that may be. And Schmidt also, uh, one reason why he may be, you know, at risk here. He battled stage, uh, stage three melanoma cancer in 2013, but then announced that he was cancer-free in March 2014. So a cancer survivor uh, that Mike Schmidt is. And he has continuously sponsored an annual fishing event that uh, raises money for cystic fibrosis. And this has raised over $1.5 million since 2001. So some philanthropy. From Mike Schmidt, and in 2008, he released a wine in which uh, proceeds for the sale of this wine 
uh, are given to the Cystic Fibrosis uh, Foundation. Don't mean to interrupt, but uh, real quick, this is coming in from Jeff Passan, quote, a trade that would send outfielder Andrew Benatendi to the Kansas City Royals is not complete, but the Red Sox, Royals, and Mets are working through details on a three-way deal that is expected to be finalized, sources tell ESPN. Um, all right, well, I hope I hope the Red Sox try to go after Bradley Jr. because yeah. it looks like a very incomplete outfield. Well, it depends on who they get in this trade. I guess, yeah, that's true. But if you trade if you trade Benintendi, it looks like it's only Verdugo out there. And Renfro. And, oh yeah, Hunter Renfro. So now we're <laughs> going to get into Mike Schmidt's all-time rank. The only man to lead the league in home runs more than Schmidt is Babe Ruth, which is uh, perhaps you've heard of him. He was all right. Yeah. Mike Schmidt is 18th all-time in walks with 1,507, and he's 16th in home runs with 548. He is 19th in position player B war with 106.9 and 16th in position player F war with 106.5. That is probably one of the smallest differences between B war and F war in a player's career that I've seen. Yeah, they seem to agree. And also surprisingly, like the, I saw the OPS plus and weighted runs created plus were awfully close. Well, yeah, Um, that's usually, that's usually the case though. But like usually, especially as the number increases, OPS plus seems to be like maybe five, five to 10 points higher than weighted yeah. runs created plus. Usually they were in within like two points of each other. So that's some, some real nerd stuff, but yeah. For sure. So among players to play at least 15, 50% of their games at third base, he is the all-time leader in home runs, B-War, F-War, and OPS plus minimum 1,500 plate appearances. And now we get into the official mike schmidt segment of how about that so mike schmidt in uh mike schmidt's nine seasons with five plus offensive war and 1.1 plus defensive war are tied for the most in baseball history how about that his three seasons with 5.5 plus offensive war and 2.2 plus defensive war are also tied for the most in baseball history. How about that? And Schmidt's 11 seasons with 35 plus home runs and 80 plus walks are are tied for the most in baseball history with Babe Ruth. How about that? And Schmidt had eight seasons with 35 plus home runs, 80 plus walks, and one plus defensive wins above replacement. No one else in baseball history has had more than four such seasons. How about that? And also, out of anyone in the 500 home run club, Mike Schmidt has the highest defensive war. How about that? And he is the only player in baseball history with 1,500 plus walks and 10 plus D war. How about that? So now. On to Mike Schmidt's legacy to close the book on on the man. Uh, one thing that you know he'll always be re- remembered in Philly's uh, folklore. You know he was a Philly for life. All all eighteen seasons of Mike Schmidt's career were as a Philly, and uh, you know he was a big part of the biggest moment of their franchise. Arguably, he was the MVP during 
the Phillies World Series championship season in both the regular season and the World Series. And this was, you know, the Phillies, uh, the Phillies won their first World Series ever in 1980. The World Series had been around since 1903, but they were still unable to win one, even, even when there were only 16 teams in the league. And finally, they won it in 1980, and Mike Schmidt was the biggest contributor to that. And, you know, second, second to him was Steve Carlton, who we've also covered. Um, but anyway, Mike Schmidt was the biggest contributor that, to that, very clearly so. And it was a big championship. Also, uh, Schmidt consistently led the league in home runs. It's pretty weird to see that. You know, he's you know 16th all-time in, in home runs uh, career-wise. But, you know, he dominated that that era in terms of hitting home runs. You know, this, this was, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. There weren't that many home run hitters, but Mike Schmidt was that premier home run hitter of that time. And, you know, that should be recognized. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why I don't, you know, didn't have a great knowledge of like the 70s and 80s because there weren't a lot of home run hitters. This, this was kind of the era of getting on base, stealing bases, but Mike Schmidt was uh, sort of still the antithesis of that, was able to hit home runs and lead the league in home runs eight times. Uh, only Babe Ruth has led the league in home runs more times than Mike Schmidt. And uh, what I'll say is, you know, when people think of Mike Schmidt, they think, of course, you know, 500 home run club, you know, led the league in home runs a bunch, of course. But I think his defense... You know, at the time, they definitely gave him his credit. He had 10 gold gloves. But his defense probably doesn't get recognized enough historically as him being, you know, not only like the greatest offensive, not only the greatest offensive third baseman of all time, but one of the greatest defensive third baseman of all time as well. You know, obviously guys like uh, Brooks Robinson and probably Adrian Beltre are above him, but he's still one of the greatest to do it both defensively and obviously the, the best to do it offensively. And lastly, you know, this pretty much goes without saying, and, you know, he's uni universally recognized this way. Mike Schmidt, greatest third baseman of all time. Uh, really nothing to be argued against uh, in that sense. So I have a take. Let's go. I think Mike Schmidt is the prime example of why batting average doesn't matter. You know what? That's a very, that's a very good take. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 267 career hitter. Exactly. Like, I, StatCast has been glitching for me, uh, so I can't get this up. But I I'm curious to know how many people with at least a 145 OPS plus have an average below 270. Um, all right. You know what? Let's We'll do a little, bon a little bonus round of this. Uh, yeah, StatHead. Let's see if it works for me, hopefully. Um, I got to log in. Try to get some details on this Benintendi trade. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of hard to accomplish. But yeah, I mean, the guy walked a ton uh, for sure. You know, his he had 11 seasons with 35 plus home runs and 80 plus walks. And he was also able to do it uh, defensively. But yeah, like, you know, that's that's why it frustrates me when people talk about average and like I remember when people were slamming like Bryce Harper like 
you know, he's a two. Yeah. Like player. that's the exact example I was going to prove. I was going to like bring up. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't care if a guy's hitting 260, if their on base percentage is 390. Schmidt had a 267 average, a 380 on base percentage. So I obviously weigh the on base percentage a lot more. Like he's, he was great at getting on base and, uh, that's that I'm looking for, uh, looking for this here. Yeah. I guess I should set a plate appearance minimum. Say like 9,000. 9,000 plate appearance. Yeah. Cause that's like not really cherry picking cause he had over 10,000. So that 9, leaves 000. some wiggle room. Uh, Oh, I gotta go to combined, combined. Season I always do that too. Once that added, it's like, Oh yeah, no, no one had a single, I guarantee you no one had a single season with 9,000 plate appearances. Never mind. Never mind 9,000 plate appearances. Uh, yeah, Willie McCovey had exactly a 270 batting average. So uh, Mike Schmidt's the only one. Look at that. To have an OPS plus of 145 or better and a batting average below 270. So how that, about he that? is they? Hey, let's 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 say that in the form of a how about that? He's the only player in the history of baseball with a 145 plus OPS plus. Uh, 9,000 plus career plate appearances and a batting average below 270. And we just debunked batting average for the 70 millionth time. Yeah, there we go. Um, Omar Vizquel had a better batting average than Mike Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is a fact. So, hey. And more plate appearances too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, you could argue better production. <laughs> Out of scale, but uh, so that's that's your that's our takeaway from today. Omar Vizquel had a better batting average than Mike Schmidt. That is a fact, that's a fact, that's a fact, people. So take it what you will either you take it as Omar Vizquel was better than Mike Schmidt, or batting average is maybe not the most reliable statistic in the world. No, uh, we 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 know where we stand on that, but any anything more on Mike Schmidt? I just needed to get that out there. That's. I mean, that's I, I had a take, and I just proved it correct. That's an extremely good. That's an extremely good take. Yeah, that might the, be the best take I've had in the history, or the second best take I've ever had in the history of this show. Yeah, like. Uh, yeah, there's literally with that stat, there's no other better example than Mike Schmidt, uh, in terms of debunking uh debunking batting average. But yeah, the guy got his walks, guy got his home runs. The Red Sox are getting Franchi Cordero. That's uh, that's fantastic. That's not fantastic. I love I love hearing that. But um, yeah. And now we get into um, and this is going to be different. Usually we pick player yeah. and team, but you know, since we're only doing one subject matter a week, we already know our team for next week, where we will be doing the 1988 Dodgers. But uh, two weeks from now, we will be selecting our player uh for this uh for our episode in two weeks the next player we will be talking about um i'm not gonna you know what i've i've done this like 25 times i'm not gonna explain it i'm just gonna ask you what player we have number one two and five available what player are we gonna be talking about next week number one number one number one is a guy i've been waiting for i don't know if i told you or i don't know if you remember this but i remember you asked me like Who's a guy that 
you are kind of particularly excited for. And I'm and I was talked about a guy who's like he was great. He was great when he played. He kind of gets overlooked. He had like a shorter career, but he has a very good story as well. Uh, this guy, you know, he didn't he faced some, uh, you know, bigotry in his life, uh, along with being ah. a fast player. Um, but you know, it's not a, it's not that famous of a, of a story, um, actually. And this was pre Jackie Robinson. He wasn't, uh, facing the same retribution because he was black. He was facing it because he was, uh, Jewish and he's the original hammer and Hank. Next week, we're going to be talking about Hank Greenberg. Nice. Wow. That is that is a that is a toss. Yes, that is that is an absolute hail mary of a of a player to put on this list. I I love it, you know. And I I'm going with the theme. I went with the theme of also I wanted to get a lot of war veterans in. This yeah, as a veteran, he missed a significant portion of his uh, career. Uh, being you know in war service, he also uh, it was the first like first player to miss a world series game because of Rosh Hashanah uh, and Sandy Koufax later became the second player to do that. And that is tremendous. Great, great postseason performer as well. One of the great right-handed hitters of all time, I believe. Um, he had, a, he had a, uh, over a thousand career OPS. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Second highest OPS for a right-handed hitter of all time, minimum like 5,000 plate appearances. Yeah. And yeah, wow. I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. You know, we didn't have a lot of storyline for Mike Schmidt today because he didn't have a Society for American Baseball Research page, unfortunately. But we're going to have a lot of storyline for Hank Greenberg when it comes up in two weeks. But we have uh, we have the 1980 Dodgers to get to next week. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Above Replacement Radio. Uh, if you listening on apple Podcasts or spotify and want to watch the videos with us go to our youtube channel and subscribe to our youtube channel it is called above replacement radio also if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current and follow our show instagram for all the updates on the podcast at above replacement radio and we hope you enjoyed the mike schmidt episode and we hope to see you next Tuesday where we're going to be talking all MLB news, maybe potentially a surprise as well. Um, we'll see. And next Thursday where we're going to be talking about the 1988 Dodgers. See you then.